0: It is becoming a core business strategy for a lot of the corporations out there, and I think that's only going to continue to grow. And as you become one that is lagging behind, it becomes more and more apparent, and being a first mover does have its benefits.
1: Hey there, welcome back to Three Things. I'm James Glaive, your host, with another conversation about the global energy transition and the interesting people and ideas that are making it happen. Let's meet today's guest.
0: My name is Allie Rotatori, and I am an associate at the Rocky Mountain Institute.
1: Now, the Rocky Mountain Institute is a nonprofit, uh, co-founded back in 1982 by Emery Lovins, who is today uh, chairman emeritus and chief scientist of the organization. Amory is a rock star in the energy transition world. The, the world. There's no other word for it. Uh, he's the author of Reinventing Fire, which is one of the essential reads of the low carbon uh, transition and shift and is a must read. So uh, that's my endorsement of the week. Uh, So Rocky Mountain Institute has around 160 employees, including my guest today, who are working to accelerate the adoption of market-based solutions that cost-effectively shift from fossil fuels to efficiency and renewables. Uh, and my guest today, Ali Rotatori, is an associate with the Institute's Business Renewables Center, or the BRC, uh, as she calls it in our interview. And her team works to streamline and accelerate uh, corporate purchasing of large-scale wind and solar energy. Um, they have a goal to help companies uh, secure 60 gigawatts of renewable energy capacity by 2030. So making some big uh, assumptions on the back of an envelope, that's roughly the amount of electricity capacity uh, you'd need to power about 43 million U.S. homes. Uh, welcome, Ali. Thank you very much. Why is electricity so central to addressing climate change?
0: So electricity accounts for about 35% of emissions um, in the U.S., and so that is a fairly large proportion. Um, And it also is a sector that is constantly transforming. Um, Utilities are constantly upgrading their lines the way that – Um, consumers are interacting with their electricity is always changing. There's a lot of upgrades in the space where people are more aware of how much electricity they're using um, compared to their neighbors or compared to other companies. And so it's a space where you can get kind of tangible um, impact and people kind of understand what they're doing when they're changing.
1: So the division of the institute that you work on is focused on corporate renewable purchasing, encouraging companies, larger companies, to purchase renewable electricity uh, just the same way they would purchase copy paper or any other kind of supplies. Why is that uh, critical or key uh, to moving the needle?
0: Yeah, so corporations have are uniquely positioned because they have a pretty loud voice, and their customers usually have multiple options. So if their customers are asking for it, it's a way to differentiate themselves, um, they're they can kind of put their product on a pedestal if they're also saying it was built by renewable energy. Um, it is something that especially millennials are caring about—one as consumers, but also as um, people of places of work. It's driving people to businesses as well. Um, and on the other side. Corporations are are uniquely positioned because they can move into these new markets, and their utility companies, the governments will listen to them. They're bringing in business. They're you know bringing in business to the utility. They're bringing in business to the you know economy for that city or state where they're located. And so they have this ability to um, actually kind of create change and force parts of the government or policy sector that otherwise wouldn't necessarily want to make these changes to to do so. Mm-hmm.
1: So we hear a lot about Facebook and Apple and Google buying up renewables. What does it amount to though in the grand scheme of things? How much electricity are we talking about here?
0: Yeah, so um overall offsite capacity, so not on top of rooftops, but offsite capacity in the US for corporates is around 11 gigawatts.
1: That sounds like a lot. How much exactly is that?
0: So 11 gigawatts is probably around Five or six times the city of San Francisco's energy use.
1: Five times the city of San Francisco's electricity consumption in a year. Okay, so who do we have to thank? Who is leading the charge here?
0: Yeah, so the number one um, is Google. They have consumed. Um, they've purchased two over two gigawatts of offsite power, and that is their next one is Amazon, and they're a little over a gigawatt. Um, and the Amazon and Google together have purchased more than the the rest of the top 10 combined.
1: What are some of the other companies that are uh, in this game that we might recognize?
0: Yeah, the top five are Google, Amazon, Apple, AT&T, and Facebook. Um, And the top 15 include a bunch of other companies like GM and Microsoft.
1: So most of those companies are technology companies that, of course, consume an enormous amount of electricity as a part of their business. Is that the the main reason why they're involved in this uh, shift to renewables? Uh, Because of cost, the cheaper electricity that they can own themselves?
0: So I think they were, one, called out by a lot of NGOs, especially in the beginning, because they are part of our largest energy users, Um, and they are operating data centers, which are 24-7. And so... Um, From that side, they were the ones who felt the public pressure um, immediately. And secondly, they want to help kind of diversify the energy sources on the grid from a resiliency standpoint. They operate these data centers, which need to be powered 24-7. And if the grid is kind of more of a greater mix of options, it's less likely there'll be a complete blackout if something goes wrong.
1: And so how are they actually making it happen then? I mean, there's panels on the roof of the new Apple Ring campus, for example. Uh, that's You can generate them on site, but that isn't obviously going to meet the needs of a Facebook or a Google. So how are they uh, doing it? How, how are these companies, what tools are they using?
0: As you mentioned, on-site is great because people can see it and it actually feeds your electricity use in the building, which is, which is really impactful, um, but it's not scalable, right? So um, IKEA has uh, solar on 90% of their stores, and that's around 38 megawatts, whereas they signed one off-site power purchase agreement for 165 megawatts.
1: What's involved in a power purchase agreement for a company like IKEA?
0: Off-site power purchase agreement, or I guess... IKEA is actually an off-site deal that they bought. Um, but it's not necessarily attached to where your load is located. You're feeding energy into the grid. You're not feeding it into your actual operations. And so the way that you account for that is with renewable energy credits. Um, so every megawatt hour of renewable energy that is, is produced has an attribute attached to it called a renewable energy credit. And so whoever owns that attribute is the one who's able to claim that they are using that megawatt hour of clean energy.
1: Okay, fair enough. So we talked about some of the drivers of why companies are doing this. Let's look at the other side. What's holding them back? I
0: think one um, is the intensive internal kind of process it takes to get some of these deals signed. So the offsite power purchase agreement um, is a can be a fairly risky transaction. And it also is signing a long-term deal. A lot of these are upwards of 10 years, sometimes even upwards of 20. And many companies are not used to signing deals more than a year or two. So one, getting people internally comfortable with just that length um, is really important. And two, these contracts are not the kind of core business that a lot of these companies are doing. Anheuser-Busch is another company that has recently kind of stepped to the forefront. Um, they've purchased hundreds of megawatts of renewables across the world over the past e- few years. They've had similar issues where their teams at the beginning said, you know, we're not going to sign anything over two years. And that's just not realistic. They're not going to get the project financed. And so kind of getting people to come around to that and understanding what these contracts are versus what these contracts that they sign for their supply agreements, for their cans, et cetera, et cetera, um, to understand the differences between those, getting your, your finance team, your legal team, your accounting team, everyone needs to be involved. And you ultimately usually have to get a sign off from a CFO or a CEO on these deals. So it really involves every aspect of the company. And, and that is a pretty labor intensive process.
1: So is that where you and your team at the Business Renewable Center enter the picture?
0: Yeah, so the the BRC does a lot of education. The um, um, main thing, we host boot camps at our office in Colorado um, in Basalt, and we bring kind of new renewable energy buyers or people who are newer to companies buying renewable energy and have a three-day um, 101 kind of intensive boot camp session. And it's a really kind of remarkable experience because you're, you're a little bit kind of outside of your normal business world. You're in this rural area, and you have companies who are – competitors in real life sitting next to each other kind of talking about the same issues they're having getting these deals signed internally. Um, and so we cover everything there from what is a megawatt hour versus what's a megawatt through the RFP process, through this internal kind of um, approvals process, all the way through getting a deal signed and what you have to do with your recs after COD or after your project goes online.
1: I'm curious where the bar is set these days in your view. hundred percent renewables is the goal. The 100 uh, RE is a movement. Um, an NGO uh, campaign to encourage companies to start out by saying, we're all in. Is that actually a barrier? Is it intimidating? Is it uh, slowing adoption because of the perception that may exist saying that if we don't go all in on renewables, we might as well not announce anything uh, because we'll get lost in the shuffle. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, a lot of companies, um, I think we're mentioning RE100, there are 120 plus companies that are part of RE100. Um, and I think a lot of companies do start by working to figure out what their goals are so that they can kind of make a roadmap on how to get there. Um, but not everyone makes a 100% renewable energy company in the next five years before they do this. Um, you know, there are a lot of companies that are doing it in incremental steps. They do on-site first to get an idea for it, and then they move towards off-site in these larger deals.
1: Tell me about the growth you're seeing are more companies buying power purchase agreements today than they were this time last year or five years ago?
0: Before 2015, I would say there were a handful of deals every year, and like you mentioned, they were in the tech sector, they were in um, IT, et cetera. After 2015, there was a there was a scare that the production tax credit and the incentive tax credit for wind and solar were going to expire at the end of 2015, so we saw it crazy surge of corporates signing these deals. So there was over three gigawatts in 2015, which was which is still the highest year to date. And then in 2016, there was a little bit of a low and people were wondering, you know, is the market over? Was that it? And in 2017, we actually almost made it back to 2015 years. We were at 3.1 gigawatts. And so far in 2018, we're at 700 megawatts, which is three times more where we were at this time last year.
1: So when you think about where the next wave is going to come from, where are you looking? What sectors, what businesses aren't on board with this yet, but probably should be and probably will be?
0: Um, Consumer goods sector actually was the biggest sector in 2017. And it was a huge surge from um, what they had. We had um, Kimberly Clark signing some deals and things and kind of those brands are coming in because they're consumer facing and now that this is a kind of core part of a lot of companies' business strategies, those big consumer-facing companies are feeling more pressure. And I would say the other one is um, financial institutions. I think they are primed because they actually are one of the companies that do sign contracts like this. They do sign long-term energy hedges. Um, They understand what these transactions are. So I think it's a little bit easier internally.
1: Well, that makes sense. These banks are putting the deals together. Why wouldn't they want to get in on the action themselves?
0: In the past, um, like six months, we've seen Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Fifth Third Bank um, all sign renewable energy agreements. And actually, Fifth Third Bank—the announcement came out last week—went um, 100% renewable in one deal, which is the first uh, corporate wow. to do that.
1: When a U.S. company commits to using renewables for its operations, its manufacturing, I, I'm thinking that's in the U.S. How does it work when most of the company's manufacturing is based in Asia? where I would expect it's more difficult to verify that a given renewable energy certificate or what have you uh, is legit.
0: So I would say most of the um, goals now are around their own operations, scope two emissions, but there are some companies that are reaching into their supply chain. Um, Walmart, for one, recently announced Project Gigaton, um, which is trying to produce a gigaton of carbon, and that's working with their supply chain. And I think corporates are uniquely – these big corporates are kind of uniquely positioned to – Um, help these smaller companies that may not have the resources or the kind of internal political capital to push for renewable energy to kind of, one, as a forcing mechanism to make them do this if they want to continue to be a supplier of Walmart or other companies, but also to provide them with resources, education, and help kind of create a program where they understand how to do these deals or what the options are for them or what you know, Walmart and other people are looking at in terms of, you know, what sustainability means, what being renewable means, um, et cetera.
1: How can these companies bring their customers, the consumers particularly, into the conversation? Are are consumers going to be looking for a hang tag at one point saying, this product made with 100% renewable energy? Are we looking at that future?
0: Yeah, I mean, the consumers have um, a lot of leverage because they can choose which companies they buy from. Um, and I think if consumers are more aware of that choice, obviously, the aggregated consumer voice is really important. Um, and so making your purchases um, with a kind of a basis behind them that you are doing this because this company is more renewable than you know the other company or... Um, this company is focusing on something is really important. And I think as long as you know, with one, it starts with one person and then it grows and grows, and that is um, a way that this movement starts.
1: I'm going to wrap it up here, but I want to ask first, Allie, say I'm a CEO, what's your pitch to me? Say I don't think this is necessarily a priority for this company. We've got other things to worry about. Why should I engage with you or start thinking about uh, purchasing more renewable electricity?
0: One, it's the best time to do it. Like I mentioned, those production tax credits are coming to an end soon. So there is some kind of a push to act now. And two, it, it is becoming a core business strategy for a lot of the corporations out there. And I think that's only going to continue to grow. And as you become one that is lagging behind, it becomes more and more apparent. And being a first mover does have its benefits. Um, and so there's just this is a really unique kind of time in the market where it's still the market is still being shaped, it's still changing, but there is a sub- sort of substantial base and um, kind of base knowledge that you can learn from your peers who have done this um, and past transactions. And so you're in a unique position where you can you have some background and you know how these deals are gonna go, but you also have a say in how the energy markets look in the future. So I think it's a really kind of interesting time for companies to get involved in, in renewable energy.
1: I've been speaking with Ali Rodatori of the Business Renewable Center at the Rocky Mountain Institute. Hey, thanks for bringing us up to speed. Thank you very much. And again, thanks to all of you out there for listening. If you'd like to see a list of companies that have set a goal to power 100% of their operations with renewable electricity, check out there100.org. Or follow them on Twitter at there100. And hey, if you like what you heard today, do us a solid. Take a moment, leave us a review in the iTunes podcast directory. That would really make our day. Until next time, I'm James Glaive.